Hi everyone, welcome to Brains, Black Holes, and Beyond, a collaboration podcast between the Princeton Insights Newsletter and the Daily Princetonian. My name is Senna Aldavaj. And my name is Ria Tomar. Today's guest is Achuche Kluje, a graduate student in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department. He graduated from Cornell University in 2021 with a degree in Electrical and Computer Engineering, and he is now working in the Smart Wireless Agile Networks Lab, also known as the SWAN Lab. His research interests lie primarily in wireless communication and sensing devices. Achuche, welcome to the show. Thank you. So for our first question, what got you initially interested in ECE? So what got me interested in ECE is based on a model my um, undergrad Cornell had, what is that ECs can do everything. And I wanted to do, always, I always wanted to do engineering in STEM, but what got me is that I wanted to always have the background, always the technical skills to basically do anything I want in the sense that if I want to explore one avenue of, say, of research or even like this, any part of the industry, I can always um, maneuver between them. And as you know, as ECE students, you have a lot of skills that are very much well valued in any form of like, um, basically any form of um, path you want to go through. So say you want to go, for example, for this, something like, say, programming, or you want to go into like chemistry or science or physics. ECs fairly form the basis that you kind of allow you to do all of that at once. And even then, you can kind of craft to what you want to do by taking, I guess, portions of skills, we'll say, from the computer's portion or electrical portion to basically have that kind of flexibility that I think that most majors did not allow. Awesome. And so, like, while we were researching for this episode, we kind of stumbled across, like, a, an article talking about, like, a new technology um, produced in the ECE department, specifically in the lab that you're in, about using 6G wireless signaling to detect the quality of produce and how that could have like implications for the reduction of food waste specifically. So could you walk us through like, well, first of all, like what is 6G wireless signaling and like where did the idea to apply that to like produce come from? Yeah, so 6G wireless sensing is a sense is basically the new future network. So you know, for example, your phones they use like, 4G or 5G. They still use with like sub-6 gigahertz frequency, basically like the the frequency in which your, um, the EM signal probably gets your phone operated at. And 60 itself is probably to be like the new final frontier of wireless communication, where we have to go to much higher frequencies, in the case frequency up to 100 gigahertz, that can offer benefits that we can't do now. Specifically because of these high oscillations, we correspond to like very small wavelengths, we can now be able not to send high database within not just gigabit per second, but terabit per second. But we can also do it for like high sensing applications that couldn't be possible. In this case here, we're able to now couple both sensing and communication all at once by using these frequencies to create new applications that wouldn't have been feasible or even practical to use um, prior. And one of them, for example, is by the use of food sensing here. So 60 signals, for example, which I'm referring to as frequencies um, above 100 gigahertz, they have basically what called the middle ground um, of benefits in the sense that basically like if you go to higher frequencies with say even like optical domain, like light, it can have much higher database, sure, but it becomes very hard to use in, say, in a wireless sense because it's like large path loss within the air. So though you can get a lot of information from using optical information, you're limited in how much you can actually obtain from it, especially if you don't have close contact. But then if you go to lower frequency that we do now, you might be able to have large wireless communication and large ranges, but the amount of information you collect from it itself is very limited. So you're very that's reduced to like very rough or like coarse estimates. But the subtitles frequency that I'm working on can kind of get the best of both worlds. That it has high enough frequency to get large amount of information, but still low enough that we can be used for much more practical distances and range and basically in much more practical settings. In this case, for food sensing. 
what we were trying to do is that, you know, if you go to the market and you like you want to buy a banana, apple, name any fruit you want, really, you would decide to see if it's ripe or not. And you do all any kind of metrics you can think of. Like for example, some people think of watermelon, you know, you knock on it, like a um, avocado, you take off the stub and you look at here, banana, you can tell that's by the color. But that's all at the end of the day qualitative. There's not real way to determine it. Because when you something lost, like let's say an apple, right? An apple looks unless it's like very near the end and becomes mush, it looks the same. And it's like any fruit, it basically rots from the inside out. So these metrics, though they do work and you know, they've been working for years and are highly correlated, is very limited how much you can do in a consistent manner. And this adds up, especially on a most global scale when you're the producer itself. Because you have to assume that each fruit, for example, had been either picked or been basically shipped out at the right time of ripeness here. But you can't always tell just by knocking on some object or like looking at this color and say, oh no, it's gonna be ripe. You all been into like a banana that looks great, then you open it and then it's all messed up. <laughs> so the point is, how do we do this? Basically, how do we able to detect the food without, you know, destroying the food in the process, right? Like if you open it, okay, it's lost, but now you can't ship it or eat it. So this is where the subterrace frequencies come in. Basically, we have 60 signals. And it kind of gets to my original point here that like we want to do something that's non-invasive. So first, we want something that doesn't destroy, destroy the food in the process by actually getting it validated. But we also want to be able to get high information from it at the same time. So if we use, for example, current metrics, we try to use maybe some optical domain, you can actually do this non-invasive sensing, but it's not very practical because you have to put it on close contact here and it's very like setting time consuming. And even then, it's very hard to actually do this on a very large scale when you have like, you know, fruits on a conveyor belt like many distribution centers. But in this case here, because of subterra signals, with our ASCII, um allows for larger distance, uh, um, larger propagation distance measurements, we're able to actually now, with say, put it on a wireless platform and kind of like when the fruit goes along the conveyor belt, we just keep continually scan it. And you could say, okay, why can't we do this with, say, like Wi Fi? Let's say, like, current like communication systems now. Well, they can, for them, will be mounted on wireless, like, um, conveyors as before, but it's not really, it lacks that information. Because you're not going to be saying, it's, it's, it's kind of ripe, it's kind of not ripe. But like, same thing means looking at it and said, okay, I think it's ripe, it's not ripe. So the practicality, the advantages are very much limited from here. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I know, like, when I go to the supermarket at home, I do, like, pick off the top of the avocado to see yeah. if it's ripe. But I hadn't known that you could also test it in a quantitative way like that. So that's really interesting. I'm wondering um, how you thought of combining kind of electrical and computer engineering with something that could have implications for food waste and how you got that idea in the first place. Yeah, so this was a part we did within um, collaboration with um, Microsoft itself. So Microsoft itself has a huge focus on trying to actually reduce food waste itself from all sides, from the producer to consumer um, aspect of it. So there was a collaboration we worked with our lab here to kind of form out, okay, how can we use our expertise, but it's the use of subtitled signals with, um, with Microsoft itself. And one case here is we're trying to solve the problem that Microsoft Service is basically how you distribute the food or like how you distribute the fruits itself. As I said, that the main one of the main limitations itself is that because we don't know, for example, um, if a food is ripe or not in a very quantitative sense. For example, what most people would do is something called like random sampling. So they basically just have like a bunch of these, let's say apples, and I'll test a subset of those apples, for example. And they might use destructive and non-destructive means. But then they'll assume that they say the quality of those foods is going to extend for the other. And that's not necessarily true. For example, like I always say, I have a twin brother, actually. And that's a claim to say that because I can do this, he can do the same as well. That's not a necessary a fact. 
So we try to figure out how can we actually reduce this problem by using the subtailers like sensing high sensing capabilities. And, it, and this is where the idea came from that was why not just use subtailer signals to actually create this kind of quantitative measure. And basically given the fact that we can actually put this on our platform pretty easily and basically do this like this, like a conveyor belt like style. That's really cool. Do you plan on doing like further projects with this technology? It can be related to produce um, like quality detection or just like in general? So actually, yeah. So what our focus one is on the producer end. Basically, how do we reduce food waste in the producers? But consumers are also to blame as well. Like if you go to a store, right, you're going to pick what you think is the best. You're not going to pick the most unreliable one. But you, again, don't know. And the whole setup can work well in a well warehouse or distribution center where we can have a high um, a high profile, high sensitive system. It's not a it's not a reasonable expectation to expect this for everyone to be able to have access to this here. So what we're working on now is actually trying to bring this kind of food sense uh, food sensing on a consumer end. Yeah. Something that can be done on like a mobile phone, some sort of small device. Something that can be done on a more scalable level by getting a handheld system for. It. So like theoretically, if like if you were to give it to consumers, would it be like I would just pull up my phone exactly and like oh wow I just like taking a photo like later taking a photo here, but I said it's just scanning the food itself. Awesome. And like, other than produce, like, what could you apply this technology to? So you can apply this, you can apply this to produce, like, yeah, but you can also instance and do this for, say, um, a lot of skin, with say, medical purposes, and we say skin layer, for example, measurements here. So we have talked about a bit in the lab, for example, that we have to try to get some measurements about foods, basically, it's, um, it's like vitamin quality. But what we would get would say, like, quick measurements for, say, someone's health or something like that's going on, they can just have quick assessments. In this case here, the same principle, in which case we monitor what we do in our research, we kind of monitor changes in the food over time. That can be kind of ap applied about the changes in the, in the we'll say, in a corresponding user. Or we'll say, person who's actually one that's a quick check. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I had a question about, um, like, just to clarify. So if you would take, like, a quantitative measurement of the food quality of um, some food object, then how would you, uh, like, what would the measurement come back looking like? Like, would it be a number or... Yeah, so being number. So generally, the general metric, um, there are many, each has different type of quality. We'll say, for example, the most common is by using bricks. Bricks is a measure of the second content in the food itself, or dry matter indicates the amount of like non soluble materials in the food. And the main idea itself is that those things have been proven by many studies in the past to be very highly correlated to the ripeness of the food. Whereas a hit, when you hit high bricks value, that means you're generally ripe. Same with dry matter. Or there might be some variance between each food here, but each one has been studied well in the past. So what we do is that based on our measurements, we correlate, uh, we estimate these metrics, bricks and dry matter, to then use them in the code. It might be a percentage, like we say, for example, 20% or 15%. And then we correlate that itself to the food's ripeness, which is what we're doing as. That's really, really cool. Um, and then before we get to our last question, is there anything that you want to mention that we did not ask you or we missed? I guess one thing I would have to add is that so one thing that also makes this project, at least to us, interesting and unique itself is that we generally in our lab works on general, like making system design itself. So when we made this, we made it in mind not just to work for a certain set of food, but multiple foods. So you try to create a model that can work for, not just for say, for example, just an, only an apple. But some systems, for example, can only measure very well how well an apple like lost and ripens, but also we say any foods, we say a persimmons. I mean, I didn't know what persimmons were until I actually did this project actually. Or would say, for example, mango or avocado, and they all have different properties, right? Because, let's say, a, a persimmon, for example, an apple, they have smooth surfaces as well. 
then we say avocados, they have a very thick surface and they have very high thickness, different materials. So in our approach, we had to actually work and think, how can we always guarantee we can get some kind of metric and how can we always make sure that we're not comparing like the ripeness qualities an apple would have versus the qualities that an avocado would have. For example, an avocado isn't as sweet. It has like it's not as sweet as an apple or like a pen of any kind of food. So how do we kind of separate each them and kind of measure them each as their own? So what we did is that this measurement itself took um entirely about a month to do. It was we took multiple foods from here and created our own framework, what we call um kilometric analysis, to form this um to form this kind of food right um this food managing food readiness metric. So I was actually, you seem like really passionate about this. And so I'm wondering what you enjoy most about working on this research. So I like how this is a emerging field itself. So we try to take, we try to take advantage of these substantive signals. What I like is that we're able to actually create a feasible application. I mean, I can actually solve a problem that I've been practicing for like, I must since the beginning of time of like just any type of um, food um, farming or food producing itself and trying to actually make a potential significant improvement from here. And I like that basically with our research, we'll focus most on trying to solve problems that are more applicable. Like we can actually apply this to a real world setting and then this can be out for market. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so kind of to close, do you have any advice for maybe people who want to get involved with this field or just for consumers who are thinking about food waste as we kind of approach Thanksgiving? Um, my my advice to those who want to approach this field itself is that one of the best way is that to do this you need a interdisciplinary approach to it itself. So as I said, this was a group uh, work um, as a team itself. So I wasn't like the only member part of it here, and this comes from multiple different aspects. People who work, for example, with food with um, with fruits, for example, from the producing side, but who works on the manufacturing um, framework, right? This distributing it itself, as well as just us who try to work on the more physical level of it. Or like physics side. So when you try to approach this work, don't try to see this as like one simple problem that, okay, how do you solve this as a, let's say, engineer? How do you, you want to say, how do you solve this as a whole? How do you solve this as someone who has to actually, for example, um, produce the food and distribute it out? How do you do it? Say, so, hey, make a setup that can actually work so that they can actually apply themselves. Like you can make some great equipment, but if the equipment, for example, can't actually be used for the people you're trying to help it's kind of pointless. So you kind of have to have this kind of collaboration to make all this work. Awesome. I really like that piece of advice. I think like, especially like on previous episodes, we've had um, different engineering professors come and talk about how like there is a lack of like interdisciplinary knowledge within like engineering as a whole and like how important it is to have that context when developing technology, especially to like help people with different things. So I really, really like that you brought up that point. But thank you so much, Achuche, for joining us today. It was really cool to learn about your research, and thanks. Yeah, thank you, Achuche. This episode of B-Cube was hosted by me and Ria Tomar, sound engineered by me, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. From The Prince, my name is Senna. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>